Hello and welcome into the Modena Cast. Daryl Felsberg here, coming to you live from the Modena Cast studios in downtown Paris, Texas, where the temperature is about 182,000 degrees. Modinos don't know what to do in the heat. They're not mating, they're not sitting on eggs. You can walk out to the loft right now, as hot as it is, and uh, they look like they're dead. They're just laying out, uh, trying to keep cool somehow. It's a hot one. About to change mid-September. No, mid-August, uh, finishing up August. I'm really good with dates. Uh, that's why I'm always late for everything. But listen, just like this podcast is late, uh, we've got a great episode for you. Episode number two already in the can. Uh, we started working on this project at the beginning of the year. But like everything else, life, family, and work come before fun. And fun takes a back seat, unfortunately. Uh, but we are here now, and we are excited about it. Real quick, a couple updates uh, in the Modena world. Uh, the last episode, which was the introductory episode, I briefly talked about uh, the terrific 2018 yearbook that came out. And on the cover, of course, was uh, Max Josie's Old Hen 443. It's a beautiful bronze trigazi. And uh, I failed to mention that the best Shetty was a uh, old hen, number 751 by Shane Plummer, another beautiful bird on the back of that uh, yearbook. So nice bookends to a great yearbook. Again, I want to thank Jackie Loomis and Big Vince for uh, putting that together. Vince will be on the program uh, sometime soon, and Jackie will too. Uh, Jackie's got a lot of great... Uh, experience her and ed of course in the hobby and uh they've got some other hobbies as well in the equestrian uh side of things and we'd probably like to learn a little bit about that uh want to remind you guys uh show calendar of course uh, we talked about it uh let's see if i can pull it up real quick and talk about the big ones uh i say the big ones they're all big ones make sure you attend all of them support all of the shows of course the nationals january 23rd to 25th uh, in 2020, in Amarillo, Texas, your judges are Ed Warner for Shetty and Jim Johnson for Gazi. Now, look, I was talking to Eric Bouquet, Bouquet, Bouquet. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Eric. Uh, I was at their home uh, visiting him and Jackie. Wonderful people down there in southern Louisiana. They know what hospitality is. And they were telling me that the hotel was already booked up. That's how big this show is going to be, guys. Unfortunately, with the things that are happening out in the West Coast in California, they're really um, looking for some big numbers. And, and that show now moving to Texas, uh, everybody just had such a great time and they're coming back. So if you have not already got your hotel rooms at the Embassy Suites in downtown Amarillo, you may not be able to get one. I'm sorry. You're going to have to look elsewhere. Uh, Central Regional Courses in Neosho, Missouri. I think I'm going to make that one. It's on November the 30th, October the 6th, Reading, Pennsylvania. Uh, that's the Eastern Young Bird Show there. Central Young Bird Show, that's the big one, Louisville. Always have a terrific time there, good people. Uh, that is October 26th. Uh, that's the National Young Bird Show in Louisville, Kentucky. Scott Brown's your judge. District 1, November 30th, Lebanon, Pennsylvania. District 2, November 2nd, Chesterfield Fairgrounds, Chesterfield, Virginia. Scott Hoggins, your guy. Uh, then 3rd District, uh, November the 2nd, Princeton, Illinois. Uh, Brad Wilcox is your connection on that one. Willie Reichert is going to be your judge. 
Fourth District, December 6th and the 7th. That's the Iowa State Pigeon Association. That's their big Pigeons on Prairie show um, that you guys need to check out. If, if you're just a Modena guy, which most of us are, or Modena gal, uh, most of us are, uh, you may have a secondary breed, but it's still fun to, to go and show those uh, those other breeds. But better yet, make a big uh, presence with the Modenas. That's what we need. We need us showing as many birds possible at these all-bird shows, even in our backyard shows. That's how you're going to attract new breeders to Modena's is by getting out there and showing them. If we keep having our district meets where it's just us in a barn and we're almost like segregating, if you will, telling the other breeds to get the heck out, we don't have any interest there, um, we're not going to be around much longer. So uh, you add that to the high prices of birds and, and, and life and everything else, man, we got to make it simple for people. And that's another topic we're not going to get into. Uh, you know, the market's the market. We're not going to start that. Well, maybe we will. I'll save that for another episode. I'll let you guys maybe even call in. How about that? Give your side of uh, that debate uh, almost a debacle. Uh, we just can't seem to figure it out. One side against the other. It's like everything else in life. Then you've got the uh, 5th District, November the 16th in Fort Worth, Texas at the Shane Plumbers Ranch. Always a good time there. Uh, I know they desperately tried to get that show with an all-breeds club and just couldn't get the dates to work out. Uh, that needs to happen. District 6th and 7th, don't know what's going on there. District 8th, that's up in Canada. St. Hyacinth, Hyacinth, Quebec, Canada. Scott Brown's your judge. Scott Brown's judging everything, people. Uh, there's even an online show that uh, they have in the Modena Facebook group, and I think Scott's one of those judges there. So uh, he is, uh, in fact, we can get Scott on the line and make him a uh, a breeder of an episode, and let us tell uh, let him tell us those stories about going to Kuwait and Australia and, and judging Modena shows. It'd be fascinating to hear. But that is uh, Saint Hyacinth, Quebec, Canada, Quebec Modena Club, and uh, Bernard Raby is your man to talk to. So uh, again, get out there and show people. Get those Modenas out. They don't do you uh, any good. I know everybody's really concerned about disease and what have you. You got to take care of them. Take care of your birds while you're there. And uh, you know what? Uh, the policy uh, they're, they're teaching our kids about bullying. If you see something, say something. If you see a bird that's sick, I was at a show a number of years ago and saw a bird uh, keel over and uh, didn't know what was wrong with it, but it was right next to one of my birds. And I say one of my birds, one of my son's birds. And sure enough, uh, whatever it was, it contracted it and uh, it was dead within a couple hours. So, you know, it. Uh, you got to be careful, uh, but if you see something, if you see a bird that's sick or needs to be removed or, or dealt with, uh, don't be afraid to say something. Get an official to look at it and uh, protect it because that's how we're going to keep this hobby going. Speaking of keeping this hobby going, we talk a lot about losing the young people uh, in the hobby. They kind of come and go, unfortunately, and uh, that looks like it's changing. On the phone, uh, we've got Zach Brown. Now, this was originally courted. Recorded, boy. I'm, I learned how to use. I do this for a profession, by the way, and uh, I, I sometimes forget how to use my words. But this was recorded back in February, so you're going to hear Zach Brown talk a lot about uh, some of the things he does in the loft. You'll hear about his family. Uh, you'll hear about his involvement in the community, uh, work, school. Get to know Zach, um, and uh, you'll you'll find uh, you'll find a lineage, in fact, of uh, of breeders. Uh, Zach is also your second district uh, director for the National Modena Club. So not only is he uh, uh, serving in his community, but he's serving in his club. 
So why don't you sit back and listen to the interview with Zach Brown. Okay, I am on the line with Zach Brown. Zach, do you go by Zach or do you go by Zach? I'm, I'm a Zach. You're a Zach. You know, that's why mom and dad call you Zachary, and that's when you're in trouble? That's right. I'm, I'm Zach Brown, the man, not the band. You said, but, oh, that's a, I, de- I never thought about that. That's a, do you have to say that often? All the time, man. All the Is time. that a true story? Yeah, oh yeah. You don't have a, a beard or, or a goatee or a ball cap or a guitar, do you? It's actually my, my secret alias. That's my side job. I'm a side kid. Let's leave the comedy to me. All right? <laughs> I don't need you being funnier than I am. Right. Uh, terrific. Zach, okay, so let, let me play naive, and I am calling you. You're on the East Coast, and so where are you at? I am uh, in a little town outside of Greensboro uh, called Regional, North Carolina. North Carolina, okay. And uh, let's uh, tell us a little bit about your. Are you are you married? Do you have children? What's the story? Well, um, I am married. I do have uh, a son, one son. He's getting ready to turn two in about um, actually a couple weeks. He'll be he'll be two years old. So we're finally starting to sleep through the night. And yeah, all, all that fun stuff. So. At the age of, I mean, he's at that point where he's starting to walk a little bit. Isn't he by now? Um, yeah, he was walking at seven months, and he's, he's oh god, wide open. Yeah, that's that's not well. It's fun, but not good. Uh, that means you got to like chase after. Chase him, right? Yeah, well, it's really age. If you knew his mom, you you would understand uh, completely. So hereditary. Oh yeah, he's a he's definitely he's a spicy little redhead like her. So oh jeez. Kind of, is he kind of an overachiever already? Is that what it is? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. too smart for his own good already, so it's good. Yeah, that, that'll happen. Now, is he? Uh, does he go on the walks with you at all? Um, so yeah, he's he's into the birds. Um, he, you know, he wants to me to pick him up and him to yep. touch and stuff. He's he's sort of interested, but hopefully, um, you know, in a couple of years he'll be out here helping me. It'll be really fun. Sort of carry on a family tradition, just like uh, for for us. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. My son is seventeen now, and it seems uh, that when they hit the age that he's at, that sixteen, seventeen, you kind of lose them from the hobby a little bit. They kind of get caught up in fumes, perfumes, well, and the, the birds sort, sort of become like a like a chore that you get dealt when you get in trouble or you come home late from curfew or whatever. You have to clean out the loft. Yeah, well, you know, and I I travel a great deal for my work, and uh, he's he's very helpful. He he feeds and waters while I'm gone, and we've waited a long time for, for that, and that's been very helpful. But, yeah, he, he was out there with me, too, when he was little, and, uh, in fact, he, he caused, you know, more trouble than than uh, he should have. He he, was, he learned how to get inside the loft, and he would uh, open doors and then not shut them, and, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah you'd, I'd have to come home and, and coax birds back into the loft that didn't need to be outside. So, yeah, he was... Oh, yeah. It's, it's, never, was, it's never the cold, either. It's always like... No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yeah. one that just could happen to fly somehow to a rooftop. You paid, you paid four or five hundred bucks for it, and get it home, and get it healthy, and then it slips out off and gets nailed by a hawk or something. Oh, uh, just yeah, just the uh, the good stuff. So, you, wait a minute. You you said just a minute ago, uh, carry on the family tradition, guys. Help me out. Uh, I'm assuming your, your father was in is in the hobby as well. It was in the hobby. Is is so so it's it's pretty long staying. A lot of my friends really don't get it either. My, yeah, obviously, a lot of people know my grandfather, Larry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So he has four sons, and two of them have, have birds. Um, 
my dad, who's Matt Brown. A lot of people think I'm Scott Brown's son, but I'm actually Matt, the youngest brother's son. Yeah, good God, you wouldn't want to be that. You wouldn't want to be the spawn of, the spawn <laughs> of Scott Brown. That's he, you know, despite popular belief, he's a pretty good guy, pretty helpful. So no, he's a great been, guy. We, we, uh, he's sort of always been my kind of go-to person, honestly. Um, my dad's sort of young, and so, you know, Uncle Scott taught me how to ride a bike and all kinds of good stuff. So oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as far as getting into the hobby, you know, when I got out of college, you know, I knew that when you got your first house, that you basically you had to you built the loft. I mean, that's sort of the that was that's how it worked. You know, yeah. so I remember we bought our first house, and uh, you know, what else does a 75 year old man and a 19 year old man have to, or 22 year old man have to talk about? Really, I mean, we talked about birds all the time. And it really was a way for us to stay connected and uh, just sort of be in each other's daily lives. You know, he would call me up, pop love to wheel and deal. Yeah, I got this bird, just bought a bird, and blah blah blah. <laughs> Yeah, that he liked that as good as he did anyway. And then, sure. Um, you know, so it was it, it started as a way for us to stay connected and and travel together and all that. And then, you know, now with Scott sort of taking over the the helm, we you know I talk, talk to him pretty regularly, and it just gives us something to talk about, stay connected, sure. as a family. I mean, it's so much more than just the birds, you know. Absolutely, and I, and I like the uh, mentioning the aspect of uh, you know wheeling and dealing or whatever. Or, you know, it's it's a part of the fun, and that's uh, that's great to hear. I didn't realize that the, that much of the family was involved. Now, if you would just step outside of pigeons for a moment, uh, what, what do you do to uh, to fund the hobby? What do you do for a living? Well, it's sort of strange. A lot of people don't know this, but I am a I'm a mortician. I'm a funeral director. Um, Sweet Jesus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, fun. Well, you know, you could probably. Uh, uh, a little taxidermy on the birds, you know how to do that, and uh, uh, you know, you put a good Modena up and do, uh, do, the, do the white dove release. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. No, yeah, I, I I don't actually do that. I sure. I uh, my my wife's family owns a business. I was in, in banking. I went to business school, and I sort of always wanted to own my own business and have that flexibility. And sure, uh, her dad is uh, at an age where he's getting ready to retire. He says, "Come, let me teach you the business while I can." And you know, I sort of. It's kind of a weird um, place to be, but I, I started it. I, I sort of, I sort of like it in some ways, you know, as far as meeting great families sure. and being able to help them. It's kind of a yeah. ministry. It's, it's been good. We're the last people to let you down. Oh, jeez. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can go so many different yeah. directions with it. Oh, heavens, yeah. That's uh, – God. Okay. Let's, let's find <laughs> this next question that I had typed out at some point in time here. And I'm going to move right the hell along from that. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know, typically there's always the how did you start? And you're you you're bred into it. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's ingrained. Like like I said, you, you get you buy your first house and you get burned. So it's sort of. In fact, I can. My wife wanted to kill me. I remember I, I got married. We just bought our first house. We literally moved in the next week. Grandpa I came down from Pennsylvania, pop, and I uh, was originally going to take. Two to three days, we were building a, a little individual. I was going to get started, have a pair, keep the young birds on the other side. And uh, I was just going to breed two pairs. That's it, Max. And, uh, man, it, the project got bigger and bigger. I think he ended up staying like 10 days. My wife was ready to kill him, to kill me. It was – but, it, it honestly, it's some of the best times I can – I mean, I oh, would not, yeah, you know, I would, I'd give you every bird in my loft to have that. But, I mean, it was, it was wonderful. It was great times. Mm-hmm. Jack, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how old of a young man are you? I'm 30, so I'm I'm a young okay. buck still. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, yeah, 
you're in the Magina world until you until you hit uh, 60, you're considered young. Well, you know, there's a bunch, there's there's a few of us coming along. You got yeah. Devin, Vince, and um, you know, there's still some young guys around. You you can say my name. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, one yeah. I'm one of them. I'm one of you guys. Don't do that. You can. You that, can. I'm not that. I'm not that old. You have no idea no. how old I am. Uh, you, you don't guess. You count, Phil. Uh, let's see, Dale. Um, what do you think? Uh, well, you have a kid at 17, so you sort of played your hand that way. I would think. Ah, but you you don't know. I, I could have been a, a delinquent uh, young man. You don't know that going around and uh, raising families. Before what are you, time. What are you, you're in your 40s. Mid 40s. Yeah, yeah. We'll take yeah. that. We'll leave it at that. 45. Okay. There you go. Yeah. In the, oh, in the Modena world, I'm, I'm so old enough to put up uh, show pens. That's how you. That's, when you're so old that they don't want you to put up show pens, that's when you know you're old in the Modena hobby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not uh, shagging birds. When they get tired of telling you to hurry up, then that's when you know you're old. So There's a, there's a lot of good a lot of good older guys, but a lot of wisdom. And, and there's still, some, you know, you're like Kevin Angle. You've got a lot of, of, of young people that I've been able to connect, younger people that I've been able to. There's well, the next step. But talk know, about that. Because that's important, Zach. There's, there is a... There's there's an issue in the entire hobby, not just the Modena hobby, the entire hobby where the the numbers are dwindling. We've all known that for years, Absolutely. and uh, it, it's it's an archaic hobby. And uh, so when you see some of these young guys and gals, you know, getting involved, um, is there is there certain things that uh, I mean, have you done anything in particular to attract more younger people or? Do you have any ideas, or, or what, what do we need to do as a club or as a hobby as a whole? Well, I just think about the things. Obviously, I was sort of I'm sort of privileged, and then I was born into it. But you know, also it was cultivated. It wasn't just you know shoved down my throat or anything. We you know we we got to go on trips when we were ten. It was just the guys. I remember you know Uncle Scott and Pop and Dad, and we would all go. And um, I mean, it was always a blast. They made sure that you know we ate all the junk food we wanted to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Um, they definitely cultivated it, made it into a positive experience at all times. You know, it was never a negative thing. No. Uh, we were always excited, excited to be together. And I think that, you know, a lot of the recruitment and stuff, um, it's easy to complicate it, but the reality is it starts at home. It starts with our kids, our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a guy here that um, I hunt and fish with a lot. He has bird dogs. I trade him some homers every now and then. We go shoot birds. He trains with them. And mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's sort of interested in the birds, so... You know, just being able to have an intelligent conversation and be willing to help them out. And, you know, some people are sort of standoffish about talking about the birds, but I don't. I never mind. Okay, why? Why do you think that? And what? For example. Well, just like you said, it's sort of a. I mean, it's an old school hobby. It's not like um, you know, it's not uh, technology driven. It's not really. I mean, it. We're not wake we're not wakeboarding or uh it's not an extreme yeah. sport, although sometimes it does feel that way. Well, um, especially when yeah. you're making up the birds and you just want to throw them around. Or in the uh, yeah, or in the show hall. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm kidding. Well, I no, think I mean, you're right. You're on the right track. You're you're it's it's because people, well, I think the biggest fear why people don't talk about their birds more in public is they're afraid that the people in public don't know what they're talking about or think they're a loon. Yeah, well, I mean, we do get that, but I mean, I'm yeah. a funeral director for a living. Oh, if that really bothered me, then you know, I'm no, yeah. <laughs> if, if, according to the general public, you're 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 uh, I'm a right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. that's uh, that's fun. 
Now, you, uh, we're making the assumption, Modinas, from the beginning. Have there ever? Have you ever had any mistress breeds? Have you ever had oh, anything no, else? A- absolutely. That is absolute blasphemy. No. I mean, we keep hungry. I tolerate them in order to, you know, trade some egg off. And honestly, I didn't want to do that. I tried to. Uh, I tried the hard way for a while. Yeah. And, uh, and it just, you know, it just works so much better, and it's easier on the Medinas. Get double production at least. Yeah. So I, you, I don't. You've you've never had another breed. No, oh, no, no. Wow. No, never even thought about it, honestly. Never been. You never walked around the show hall and went, "Oh, that's I'd like to have a pair of those for fun." When when I was a kid, maybe oh, one time we looked at we looked at some it was some sort of tumblers or something. Uncle Scott squelched it pretty quick. He was like, "No, we're not, we're not bringing those home. Absolutely not." So it was Uncle <laughs> Scott who awarded. Your love for a parlor tumbler. No, no, no. I, luckily, I like to think I would have gotten out of that stage pretty quickly, but no offense to the other pitching guys. I mean, we got to stick together, but I'm a, I'm a Medina guy, definitely. There's a lot of Medina guys that do have a, a, a secondary or third breed that, because uh, another way we find out is when we're shagging birds and someone says, hey, we're so and so. And they go, oh, he's in the Chinese owls section. Or, oh, oh gosh. She's, no. she's, over, she's over there looking at the jack events. You're like, well, she has to go over here and get her bird, you know? That's how we, we find out. We, nobody, nobody wants to admit it. I've sort of looked around. Um, you know, I just feel like, honestly, we, we usually have the biggest sections, and we're definitely the most competitive, which is I'm sort yeah. of drawn to that by nature. I just think that that's – we have the best three out there, no doubt. Sure. I'm, I'm going to agree with that. That's for So, all right, so since there's no, been no other uh, <laughs> pigeon mistress in your life, uh, what, are, what, do you, what is by far your favorite color? Uh, by far, I would have to say red. Um, I love red skeddies, um, yellows. Yeah, oh, I love them. Obsessed with them. In fact, I did get a pair this year of reds. The problem is I'm, I'm um, sort of getting into that stage where I'm in like year five. I should start winning some. People are like, yeah. all right, you're going to, you know, and I'm like keep on taking new projects. I'm finally, I make a couple steps forward in my pattern birds. I love the pattern birds, and I know that that's, um, I love the, the dilutes. Um, mm-hmm. that's the deal with the Medina is like you see a new color or something you're like man that's I really like that so that, that there's no need to go to another uh, breed or anything you have all the options here I mean color there, there, there are so many combinations that, yeah you're right you you can find something that if it's not a you know a feather pattern or whatever that within the Medina you can find that color and go that's that's fun um, what is your what about uh, um, forgive me but uh, Argents is that ever you ever play with them I've seen them, uh, but you know, I mean, our argents are held pretty, pretty tight, right? And uh, not only that, I don't want the, I don't want the responsibility of the argents as far as, I mean, have you seen the guys that post them? It's like eight thousand likes on the, on the pictures, and you know, yeah. you know, they're getting bombarded with emails and. Right. Do you do you ship to Kuwait or do you ship yeah. to China? Yeah. And, and, and let's just say, if I had one. Per se, I would never reveal that. <laughs> I keep it to myself until well, I trade the show. And, and not, I was I was in the Modena hobby uh, off and on, and, and when I was an adult, I got back in probably ninety ninety nine, maybe ninety eight, till about two thousand four, somewhere to no to, closer to two thousand six. And I had uh, Argents that I had shipped in from John Bueller uh, way back in the day. And and I and they were at that time they were kind of a stepchild, and, and nobody liked them and nobody wanted them, and then now all of a sudden you're right they're they're, they're kind of coveted, 
Oh, yeah, it's a fad for sure. I mean, well, it's not a fad. I mean, they, the five or six years I've been here, I mean, I guess you can't really call it a fad. They've been pretty hotly demanded. Um, yeah. And, I mean, the, qual- the quality is, is, is better. I mean, from what I've seen, they're all good. you got Dean Williams breathing a ton of them that look great. They're all powerful. and I mean, that's unreal. I can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's. And, and that's the thing is, is I don't want to take on another project and start. Obviously, you're not going to start with someone's best bird. It's going to be pretty tough to buy in. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a long-term sort of deal. Yeah, it is. And, and, and those guys. The, the John Buellers and the Bob Pettits and they they really they spent their lifetimes messing with them you know so oh, yeah. yeah yeah you're right well, okay have, to have a ton to offer I mean but just oh yeah not, not you know even even still you look at it, it's like what what wins what wins the national just the national you look at Armstrong Jazzies Blue Jazzies White but you know like I think the artists are there quality wise now and color wise it's just it's gonna take I don't know that we have the judges that are gonna pick them. No, no, you're it's still gonna be a ways off until the right one comes along, you know. Okay, so you you talked about feeders. You have um homers that you're using for feeders. How many how many feeders do you have in reference to how many breeder breeding pairs do you have? I I think I found um the the pretty much perfect for me percentage is like sixty forty. So sixty percent Medina so um, you know, six pairs of Medina's, four pairs of um, homers would be sort of ideal. Keep that ratio throughout your okay. Your it's, the homers like so quickly. And I do like, I do have several pairs that will raise their own, which is I like them to do that if they can. But um, you know, it's always like a really fantastic pair. You're super excited. They get to about day four or five and croak, and you know you could switch them to homers and they would have been just fine. You know, right. so that's the way it works. So, so you have you have six you have six breeding pairs that you breed from. Well, actually, I have ten right now, and I've got uh, about six pairs of homers. So, okay, um, so you're you're at that at ten to six ratio now. And what do you think you'll ban out of those ten breeding pairs this year? Well, um, yeah, I've got a lot of young birds, so I try to keep, stay realistic. Um, let's put it this way: last year I bred seven pairs, and I banded. Sort of skewed because I I got like 14 out of one pair, but um, I think I banded 36 or 37. Wow, there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's a that would be one of my probably my best year number wise. Wow. Okay, that's that's quite a few for that for that short amount. And you know, if you're allowing the the pairs to to raise a pair here and there and let it complete their own cycle, that that that's uh you know. Takes a load off them for just kicking out eggs too. Well, and I give everybody a shot. You know, first, first, first uh, round is fertile. I'll say, okay, let's let's try this. Let's go see what it does. And if it's like feeding, feeding, then maybe there's a touch of signature and they die. I'll let them try it. But you know, I hate to go in there and find empty, unfed uh-huh. babies, and that's the only reason they don't. You know, it's like, man, yeah, that okay. is a momentum, momentum killer. Now, when you, as far as your your loft is concerned, what do you do? You have a uh, an open loft, or are you using individual pens? What are you using? I use a mixture. Um, you know, I, I, throughout the year, I sort of talked to several people, and I decided, you know, I'm going to do some individual breeding pens. I got some dimensions from like Rick Peterson, from like some yeah. dimensions. And I think he breeds pretty much all individuals, and he does very well. Obviously, he's breeds huge numbers, and he's always competitive. So, I sort of um, with some individuals, I've got 
four individuals and um, six uh, boxes that are sort of open well kind of kind of I haven't made it all all my birds up, so I'll probably end up with maybe eleven or twelve pairs. But I made some okay. love, keep it ten. So I, I do a little mixture. Um, I think that the open loft works great if you have, you know, seasoned birds that are maybe second or third year breeders that know what's going on and have been in the box. They go right back to the same box. Mm-hmm. But you know, I always get these hard headed, you know, hens that want to lay in somebody else's box constantly or cock birds that. Think that they have to own every single box in the loft. Yeah, and so yeah, that's that's pretty tough. That that is where the patience portion comes in, which I I'm pretty sure on. I think everybody has, but that's where also um, it's so it's a daunting task if you're breeding from twelve or fifteen you know pairs to keep an individuals. Uh, that's a that's that's a lot of daily work. You know, you got to go out there, yeah, feed yeah. water and every single one of them. Well, to keep this um, podcast authentic, I am actually feeding and watering my birds right now. It's 10 o'clock at night. I got home about 9. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's say it work, and then that's what we're, yeah, you and I were talking. You're going to be out in the loft and make it more authentic. So, good. Well, we'll, we'll uh, wrap it up here. We'll, we won't keep you too much longer. But you're, I was curious about how your loft was set up and, and your climate there. Um, what, what type of climate do you guys have? Do you have long summers, short summers? What do you have? Well, we, you know, I think we're pretty spoiled. Um, you know, we're not quite as hot as like South Carolina, you know, Florida, Georgia, or any of the or Texas, you guys down there. Um, but we have a different kind of heat. It's very humid, you know, and like probably July, August, we, I start kind of winding down, breaking up, maybe give them a rest because it just sort of stresses them out. And then I may remate some late season, especially in the individuals. Um, okay. But like right now, February, we're having a We've had the wettest year probably yeah. you know, that I can remember on record. Of course, I'm only 30, um, but right. it's it's pretty rough. So I would say, you know, it's probably been it goes from like 20s for a week or so, threatening to snow, and then it was 60s or 70s last week, and now it's in the 40s and rain for the next foreseeable future. So when so when do you guys get to put when do you put your birds together? Right about this time of year. So. You know, traditionally, my family, Grand, you know, Pop, he always, I think it was like Valentine's Day, the weekend after, you know, sort of made, that's when he did it. And then as he aged and he moved up north, it's still pretty cold there. So he yeah. would sort of wait a little longer. Um, and my dad, he, he sometimes waits too long. Um, yeah. So I think Uncle Scott uh, and I both started making up about the same week this year. He's still making up birds. He has a lot more parents. Yeah, I, I, t- I talked to him the other day, and he he was in the middle of it still. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah second third week of of February. You know, when when do we get some stable 50s, 60s weather? We try to get them together mm-hmm. so they'll start. As soon as the cockroaches will really start chasing the stuff. When do you break them up? Like I said, I, I usually it depends. If it's just a really fantastic pair and they're going well and I'm, they're young, and I'm feeling like maybe. You know, they won't get sick and die or something. I'll, I'll let them go if I can. Um, but, like, last year, I, I literally let one pair go. I was banning babies two weeks before the new bands came out. So, um, You know, Shane Plummer made that point. He said, you know, when they, in, in nature, they don't break up. Well, and I think <laughs> there, there are birds that, that um, you can tell a drop-off. Like, I keep pretty yeah. meticulous, you know, laying records as far as when they're lay when they're supposed to hatch. And you can start seeing the time increase between, and that that's probably an indicator that they need a little break, need a little rest. 
Let sure. So, um, yeah. so it depends on the parent, and that's the beauty of the individuals. It's a little more work to do the individual stuff. Or, mm-hmm. You know, I can make a pair-by-pair call when I haven't made it up individually. There you go. Okay, so uh, rounding it off, um, if memory serves right, you serve as the second district director for the uh, NMC. Sure, yep, second district director. That's right. Okay. What um, plans, goals, dreams, ideas, thoughts, you know, I never want to get into the politics of a club by any means. And typically, we don't we don't talk about the club itself, but the club is the backbone of the hobby. So, absolutely. With, with that being said, uh, what are your thoughts and ideas? Well, you know, this is about my fifth year coming in. It's, uh, I've sort of been exposed to a little more of the political stuff, and um, I think as a goal for specifically here in the second district. I mean, last year, the last two years, I think we've had. Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure we've had the most new members join in our district than any other district. I'm I'm just making that claim. I'm pretty sure that's how it is. Um, I'm not going to fact check it, so we'll just make it real. Well, I mean, if not, we're doing we've done pretty well. I mean, sure, I know I know we've had several. And now, before I go sell a bird or whatever, I, I ask them, Hey, are you a member of the club? Yeah. Can I help you? And then if I'm selling a hundred bug bird or fifty bug bird, I, I sell to them for twenty five and say twenty five of this is going to go towards. Your Absolutely, you bet. You know, and it's really, I mean, what is, tw- I mean, twenty five bucks okay. for someone that, I mean, like for me, it was potentially, I mean, it's life changing. My family has always been in the club. Yeah. So it's sort of a strand that kind of binds us all together, no matter where we are. I mean, Uncle Scott's in his fifties, my dad's in his, or actually he might be in his sixties now. Don't tell us about that. And then. Uh, my dad's in his late 40s, and I'm in my 30s, and we're all, you know, we all have something in common. And so mm-hmm. that's sort of what I want to give away with the second district, meet some new people, expose them to the birds, help them uh, in any way we can. And uh, also, you know, we want to do an excellent show every year on the second district. We want it to be done well, and we want the numbers to be there. We want it to be something that people want to drive to see, and mm-hmm. you know, they're not showing. They just want to be there. So. Your District 2 show last year uh, was in Virginia. Chesterfield, yep. Okay. Do uh, you remember how many birds you had? Any idea? Just guessing? Uh, mm, we're, we're pushing two. I like. I, we'd like yeah. to have three. We'd love so, to have three. The problem is, you know, we, it's, we live in a pretty competitive, um, you know, area, and, you, and we're, the beauty of it is we're pretty close. We can drive to a lot of the other shows. I know Brad and them always do a really great show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always it ends up being on the same weekend. Like we would love to go to that show, obviously, but we have to support our second district show. Yeah, so of course. I, th- I think there's some talk about changes this year, so hopefully that would we'd be able to attend there and maybe come, you know, check out ours or. Yeah, it'd be of, nice to stagger the dates and, and and the likelihood that, of course, not many can can go to all of them. But if there's two that two weekends line up where somebody can get out of the house and. Yeah, why not? I think that needs to be addressed and and really looked at and maybe even assign dates to the districts and say, this is when your district shows to happen. Where it happens or who's there, that's up to you, but it'll happen this week. Shane Shane sort of encouraged multi-breed clubs, and I think there's some real value in that as far as converting some guys that maybe are ready for a different challenge, like from some of the other breeds. not saying they aren't challenging in their own right, but... I mean, we both know it's it's pretty hyper competitive. A lot of people see that as not a good thing, but mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that that sort of is what separates us. 
I mean, how many Medina breeders do you see that are just sort of lukewarm? There aren't a lot of them. Right. They don't stay around very long. No, they don't. And I think that's kind of what uh, Shane and I spent a great deal of time visiting about that. And, and really, we kind of reached out to the club in general and said that we have to start showing at these backyard shows and holding our meets with uh, other clubs as much as possible because the average person, the average human that would potentially get in the pigeon hobby is likely not going to start with Modinos. Well, I'll give you a great example. We got a guy uh, he approaches at the national named Wilbur Henley. He has a huge uh, outdoor riding facility. Uh-huh. He said, "Hey, I put on second shows all the time. Um, our our show cages are like two inches different dimensions than yours. Thinking about putting something together, and I'm I'm seriously considering, uh, you know, holding the Eastern Regional there. It'll be a great date for us. It'll be cheap mm-hmm. as far as a venue. There'll be lots of other pigeon breeds there and chicken breeds and opportunities to." cross paths with guys we hadn't really had an impact on yet. And he's sort of really into the birds. I know uh, Kevin Angle, I saw him helping him out with a couple pairs. So hopefully cool. that's something that will pan out. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. We, we, have to, we have to exhibit the birds in front of other hobbyists, other pigeon hobbyists. And then that's where you – because a lot of times their breeds don't have the, the color combination, even just the bronze color alone. You know, and, and so it would be exciting for them to, to see this and take their, their I, dare I say it, their pigeon game to another level. I mean, really, the Modinas and you get into, like, the American Fantails, you get into domestic show flights. Those, those are breeds that if you ever watch the judging um, and the birds and the money that goes back and forth, they're kind of the varsity level, if you will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so think about a guy or a gal that gets involved. They're kind of new they're typically going to start off with something else, and it's our responsibility to get in there, show them what Medina's are, and then get them involved. So very, very valid points. You know, Zach, you're smarter than uh, the average 30-year-old. Okay. Uh, how's that? I am a brown, I'm, and we're pretty humble, too. Oh, boy. That's what, <laughs> that's what thing Uncle Scott is. That's, uh, that's for darn sure. Uh, if, if, he's, uh, if, if his uh, love for GTOs or any uh, indication of that, then that. Uh, He's certainly uh, he's certainly not humble, that's for sure. But a well, good guy. They they go all out in whatever they're doing. That's so great enough. So you know, Absolutely. we want to win. That's in the day that I see him and birds. It's gonna be it'll be a steak dinner type day. It's gonna be great. Oh, I'd say the to say the least. Yeah, that that'd be one of those. Uh, God, I know that's one of the ones where you take your shirt off and run around the show hall. Oh yeah, you know? I mean, uh, yeah. You definitely are gonna take a victory lap after that one. He he's yeah, done so well. I mean, it's, it's amazing, honestly. Um, even though I don't get to share in any of that success, I do. I mean, I'm super proud. Just, I'm like, man, I can't believe you did that. Especially now that I see how difficult they are. I mean, just to raise the, the bad ones are hard to raise too. I mean, all of them. If you're not doing it right, I mean, it's tough. Uh, it's a fair statement. Even the you're right. Even the bad ones are hard to breed. You know, and that's what makes them tough. You know, the, uh, the most competitive games are the most competitive people, and that's, the, that's exactly right. That's, uh, people look at, like, the dog world. You know, French Bulldogs are, are so expensive, and it's because they're very difficult to breed. Absolutely. You know, if they were easy, then everybody would do it. But uh, thank God that you're doing it. Thank God I'm doing it, and uh, we've got a bunch of great people in the hobby. So with that, uh, Zach, I appreciate you taking the time with us on the Modcast here. And uh, we'll catch you. We'll get up, we'll get up with Scott on here before long too. Maybe we'll uh, we'll compare episodes, see what he thinks. He may have different words for you. I don't know. 
I don't know. He's he's, uh, he's definitely. I gotta say, he's the champ. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to learn all I can. So. And he's he's outspoken too. All right, this, that'll be a good one. We'll let you know when he's on, and then uh, we'll compare notes and see how he does. All right. Well, we appreciate you. Thanks for in- including me. And if you, if you need anything, or if anybody needs anything in the second district, please don't. You know, feel free to reach out. Is there? Uh, do you mind sharing an email address or anything like that? No, absolutely. It's fun. Um, it's probably best to you know, reach out to me on Facebook or Facebook Messenger okay. uh, on the Medina thing. But um, you can get in, also get in touch with me at uh, zabrown7 at gmail.com. zabrown7 at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Zach Brown, thanks for being on the phone list. Good night, and uh, we'll see you in the show hall. Thank you. Bye-bye. There he is, Zach Brown, District 2 Director for the NMC. Uh, good interview. Good time with Zach. A lot of great things uh, were talked about there. And, uh, again, I want to remind you, uh, share this with your friends. Get online. Share it on Facebook. Share it on, uh, if you got a website, uh, I can send you a plug-in that you can put on your website. And, listen, we... Uh, we need equipment. We need things. We need. Uh, we're always looking for sponsorship. So if you're interested in uh, maybe having your loft or maybe your business sponsor the Modena Cast, drop me a line at Daryl D A R Y L at D A R Y L Felsberg. That's Daryl at DarylFelsberg.com. Well, as always, thanks for listening in to the Modena Cast, and we'll see you on the next one. Mm-hmm.